Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about the things weighing on our minds. My name is Dan Oliverio. I'm a chubby chaser, author, public speaker, and if I were a drink, I would be a gin ricky. Um, and I but think why? Gin ricky. It's a lie. But why? It's a lie. Oh, but why? <laughs> the gin ricky is I a lie. I wouldn't be a gin ricky. Why? How dare you? <laughs> Uh, just because I feel sort of limey and ginny right now. I think that's Ooh, very nice. I, I think that's just the point. And, uh, do you so smell of junipers? Of I do. <laughs> uh, I'm Trevor Kizan. I am a super chub. And if I were a drink, I would be a dirty chai. Oh, <laughs> he is. How fitting. He is, ladies and gentlemen, he is a dirty chai. <laughs> uh, with some whipped cream and a little cookie. <laughs> Uh, my name is Michael. I am a chaser, and if I were a drink, I would be a homemade apple teeny using homemade apple liqueur, uh, which involves like basically uh, peeling a Granny Smith apple and soaking it. Ah, you know it that might so be the good. only way I'm going to enjoy an apple teeny. I got to try that. It looked. Um, it, I'll send you the recipe. It looked unbelievable, actually. Oh, please do. It looked really. Okay, really so good. I'll drop off a small thermos on your front doorstep. <laughs> just put my drink in there. And- I've never really wanted an apple teeny so badly. <laughs> yeah, well, because usually apple teenies are, you know, well, disgusting unless you like Hawaiian punch. Well, we're not debutantes. I mean, you know, we'd appreciate right, wait, it. You're not? Hi, my name is Don. I'm a big chubby guy living here in Hollywood. And if I were a drink, I would probably be a Romulan ale because I'm 50% fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got to have a Romulan ale at the Star Trek experience. Well, of in, course you uh, did. Las Vegas back in the day. <laughs> and, and what is it? What does it consist of? What what sort of awful? I just remember they, they leaned really hard on the uh, the blue liquor. What is the blue liquor? The uh, oh curacao, blue curacao because it had to be blue. I had a friend important. in college who used to call that Smurf solvent. No. Uh, Smurf juice. Oh. Smurf juice. Yeah. Oh. No, I like Smurf, Smurf solvent juice. better. <laughs> <laughs> it's because then you can picture the screams. I know. I'm just. I imagine like you're watching the cartoon and it's just too much, and you just get out the Smurf solvent and it just dissolves the cell. <laughs> oh, oh no! Oh man! <laughs> oh, Isn't God. that the the goo in Roger Rabbit? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> you're right. The <laughs> <laughs> So well, welcome back to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, yeah, everybody. Thanks for coming to spend a little time with us. Um, so we have a very full show ahead of us today. Yes, we, we do. do. It's just crammed full. Just <laughs> I can already it's feel how full that we are. <laughs> so a, round, so full, so fully packed. A classic Trevor episode. And I honestly, I'm going to let you. I took a look at this first thing on our pop culture list. <laughs> it, oh my I'm God. just going to let so, you talk about it. I, I don't think any of us could possibly do it justice. So I discovered on TikTok, which Jesus. we're getting close to the the deadline for before TikTok gets banned. So hop on, hop on there and check out uh, Diva Porky, who I can only describe as if Miss Piggy were a drag queen, which uh, seems or maybe redundant. if a drag no, queen, if Miss Piggy were a burlesque it dancer, it seems redundant. Yes, uh, yeah, there, uh, Diva Porky basically looks like. You know, a human-sized Miss Piggy with uh, six breasts. Is it six or four? Or is it six or four? I thought maybe it's well, four. it's four. Let's at least a double rack. Yeah. However, there is one TikTok of her wearing the same outfit as the six-breasted character in Return of the Jedi, 
So that kind of gives you a sense of what you're in for. <laughs> I am looking at it right now and I honestly don't know how to react. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's whimsical. It's dirty. It's squeaky clean. It's amazing. It's yeah. Uh, like, do you call it dirty? I don't that's, know. That's like, why I said it's dirty and it's squeaky clean. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was going to say if Miss Piggy were a pole dancer. But maybe not. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, yes. what? you're all right. It's pig, pig, did, uh, piggy. It's Miss Piggy as a pole dancer and a drag queen. Yes. And <laughs> two, two looking, tastes in one. I good find, Trevor. Uh, uh, I, I don't know how you found it and I don't know why, but good find. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about this that isn't kosher. <sighs> oh, uh, boo. Wop, wop, wop. Moving on. Um, but yeah, move, moving on. <laughs> um, so this is kind of uh, relevant to our episode, and Amazon has announced Halo, a fitness band and app that um, scans your body and your voice. Yeah, uh, it's sort of their take on a Fitbit, but it's supposed to be more inclusive of other ways of getting you to live a healthy life, etc. Et it's not et just fitness, it's well-being. Right, yes. but you know, it's a lifestyle. So their whole gimmick is that they, I think the biggest gimmick is that it's supposed to sort of listen to your voice and ascertain your emotional state based on how you're speaking. Um, <laughs> I'm just imagine I'm yelling at you in a very calm tone. I've despised <laughs> you yeah. when halo. your parents. Oh my! Oh my God! The like the parents arguing in front of you, but they're not raising their voices, <laughs> and it's just like, but it make like they're angrier because of that. It's yeah. more fear. Yeah, it's, it's scarier. Yeah, and it's scary. Yeah, I was uh, always more nervous when my parents weren't screaming at each other yeah. Yeah, by a long shot. Yeah. Um, Talking through their teeth. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. We're just going to go outside. (laughs) We'll talk about it when we get home. (laughs) Um, The dicier part of this is that they also have a body scan feature where you put your phone down and and turn in front of it. Oh, my God. And it scans your body. And then, yeah, it determines your... now my You're, phone gets to judge me. Awesome. Well, <laughs> what, what, what really gets me about it is they claim that they're, that the, uh, the 3D assessment, because you take multiple pictures from multiple angles, they claim that the 3D assessment is actually a more uh, accurate way to measure body fat than bioelectrical impedance or a lot of things, which or, is dubious. It's, I think it's kind of hooked back into that. I can just look at someone and tell if they're healthy. Yeah. Sure. And again, well, they're also listening to you. So, you know, well, that's true. Yeah. If you sound fat. (laughs) (laughs) So don't use your Um, fat voice, Trevor. So (laughs) one of the uh, major concerns raised about this is that they also have a slider that lets you sort of visualize your 3D model of yourself uh, thinner. Um, And people immediately, you know, asked about the impact on this with with people who have um uh, uh anorexia for instance or, or body dysmorphia yeah. or other yeah other um and and so their thing was like well you know we won't let you slide it to a place of being uh too skinny or like unhealthily skinny um <laughs> but we will you tell can, you that you're not skinny enough <laughs> right we'll tell you that you're not skinny enough and uh people under you know people 13 age 13 to 18 uh don't get access to the slider they still get access to the scan and the <laughs> telling you that you're too fat they just can't use the slider oh hell at this point uh, just buy the sims i mean just get over yourself right 
Um, I'm just looking at this screen grab they have where they, they call the, when it reads your emotional state and kind of, it calls it a notable moment. Uh, and the three listed in this lady's pink phone, one is hopeful. The other is hesitant. And then another one's elated with a big, like laughing emoji. What, it's, what do they call it when I bang my toe on the doorway? Like 3 a.m. I think it's it just, just a bunch of like asterisks emoji. and ampersands. <laughs> Where have we come to as a society that we need an app to tell us what we're feeling? Like, I don't know what I'm feeling, doctor. Oh, we know there's an app for that. <laughs> Although, could you imagine having that when your parents are arguing and shouting at each other without shouting through gritted teeth? I want the emoji for that. Just gritted teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine like, the like a wife being like Alexa, can you tell Jonathan <laughs> <laughs> that I don't need to hear his guff? <laughs> like, uh, okay, uh, Jonathan, I heard her, Alexa. <laughs> you tell her that. <sighs> poor, so, what's new Alexa. in the world of Lizzo? <gasps> <sighs> well, let's get the Lizzo watch music going. Come on, we need a little more excitement than that. Uh, yep. Okay. Uh, let's get the Lizzo Watch music going. That'll be right. Yay! Lizzo Watch 2020. Uh, 2020. Lizzo Watch 2020. Um, so. No, it's actually, I feel like um, Lizzo is kind of where a lot of us are right now. She shared a video on Instagram and, I mean, and TikTok, you know, all the, all the socials, expressing that she's like kind of down and also like that she doesn't really know what to do it's a really um, moving very personal straight look at the camera yeah um it really simple i just loved it i mean it, it it's hard to watch just because she's going through stuff but that's the point people are going through stuff and just being very open about it yeah which she kind of followed up yesterday with um another you know talking to the camera video of um avoiding spreading negativity and something that she said that really kind of stuck out to me which i've been trying to be more mindful of is not hate liking something mm. like when you see something upsetting or you see something hateful and you kind of share it to comment on it like can you believe this but like mm-hmm. not to do that and just to kind of accentuate the positive really highlight uplifting things when you see it yeah if you see something that you like and th- or that makes you happy like comment that so something i have been doing just to, to, i don't know kind of accentuate the positive I am very excited about a game that is coming out tomorrow. Oh, yes. The, the Marvel Avengers game, which there's mm-hmm. been so an insane amount of like negative stuff posted online where it's like people either. I don't I don't know why people are upset about it, but I like when I see I'm getting a lot of targeted ads for it on Twitter, which is because I reject basically every ad on Twitter saying I don't like this. but so i'm basically only getting ads for that and i've been commenting like i'm looking forward to it like the beta was really fun Mm -hmm. i i want to see i want to see the new video game where there's a fat avenger oh we'd have to first introduce a fat avenger (laughs) yeah well i don't know has it does thor count uh depends on if he's fat in the next guardians movie yeah speaking of uh Fat people in space. <laughs> fat in space. Fat people in space. So today we're talking about fatness in science fiction. Uh, it's use as metaphor and projective future on how fat people will exist in the future. Do we exist in the future? <laughs> is there a future? Out. So the first thing that comes to mind with this is like... 
in general, it doesn't seem like fat people have a great future in most of these sci-fi pieces. <laughs> I, I'd probably like the first stop I would take is Star Trek, right? Star Trek is probably the most iconic uh, science fiction show around. It's the one most people are common with. And when you think about images of fatness in Star Trek, they're very slim. If you'll pardon the expression, uh, there aren't a lot. And most of them tend to be fairly negative. Um mm. So like there is only there's a you can point to there are races representing every everything like uh, all over the place. But there is one alien race in Star Trek that is iconically fat and there a race called the Paclid introduced in Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, and the other identifying feature of that race is they're painfully stupid and slow. Mm hmm. Um, although, although do you want to mm -hmm. go on with that because i was going about to make mention a, a race that is literally porcine in old trek right the tellurides mm -hmm. uh but they are also not they are pig-like but they're not iconically they're not as necessarily fat i mean mm, so. they're, they're 1960 they're 1960s fat you know so yeah that's fair they're maybe 200 pounds um and if you're going back to the old school like the only iconically fat character from that time period i can think of is admittedly a famous and beloved character, Harry mm -hmm. Mudd. Oh, I also thought of the, the the Tribble vendor. Is it Jones? Somebody Jones? Mm, I'm not remembering. The the guy who sells the Tribbles to the Enterprise is, is very fat. Maybe the fattest character in Old Trek. Oh, that I would have to add him to and the he, canon. And he's and he's fat that. and jolly, and he sells Tribbles. And what could be bad about Tribbles? You know. <laughs> so he's he's the toy smith, basically. Uh, there you have the the iconic stereotype of fat people being dumb and slow, or givers of small joys right like the candy maker so mm -hmm. this man gives you tribbles so like oh how nice he's a lovely person who gives me things that make me happy yeah the important thing is that you the know. fat characters are never shown to be effective or masculine no. or sexual or anything that yeah. i think that changes up a little bit when the original cast gained weight <laughs> um because then in the movies you have fat scotty you have uh you have captain kirk in a truss and a big girdle uh that ain't fooling anybody so yeah, it's I like know, i don't know if that counts but <laughs> and there's been a lot of theorizing why that is in the star trek universe uh because the theory is there their 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 technology has advanced so far oh. they understand food so much that you can basically choose what body type you have right unless unless they discovered in the future that you just can have the body you have and it's not a problem like no, right, no. no one's sporting that theory apparently. No, <laughs> no, shut that up, doesn't Dan. Happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, so once once Fat Scotty shows up, like all of a sudden he's portrayed humanly. You know, mm. uh, he is an actual character because they can't devalue the character that they had before. No, yeah, and same thing with Kirk. Um, and then now I mean, we're at the point where the next generation actors are starting to get a little bigger. So when Riker shows up, mm -hmm. no, really, that's not a girdle. No, we swear. Um, but basically fat people get to be humanized when the humans you recognize become fat. <laughs> I think that's very accurate. If you, and it, yeah. I mean, you see this with, with a lot of, uh, a lot of marginalized groups where if yeah. you know someone who's X, well, they're not really X. They're just Jane. They're just yeah. Peter. You know, they're not mm. that fat gross person. Right. When you delve into it, it's been very interesting. I've been looking there's, there's a lot of sources for fat characters that I've not read in literature. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, there's just there's so much sci fi at this point that God bless if you can keep up with, you know, a 16th of it. Mm. But historically speaking, uh, when I was doing a deep dive into uh, Baron Harkonnen from Dune, mm. Mm. which is a uh, 
He is unfortunately <laughs> a really good example of the way fat has been used in sci-fi traditionally. Um, he is like the perfect storm of, of yeah. undesirable traits and character. <laughs> yeah. But he's he everything about him is villain coding, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So in the movie, at least, you can tell he's he is fat and he is queer. Those are two things that Well, are, and if he's and if he's queer, he is also therefore because what villain. else is well, no, also in the books, he's a pedophile. Oh, is he? I, I yeah, the whole point. That. Yeah, the his whole st- sexual shtick mm-hmm. is that he's so fat that he smothers these young boys underneath him while he while he rapes them. That is the deal in the book. I I did not know that, and I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, so that's what uh, I mean by the perfect storm. Like how how many more how many more pieces of nonsense do you want to pile on this character? Yeah, they actually did something. Um, so. During, you know, Dan and I have been watching a lot of uh, franchises during the pandemic, but we watched Blade. Um, and in the first Blade movie, there is the character Pearl, who is a male vampire who is so fat that basically they film, they fill this room that they have kind of this hacker workstation in. Um, and I was reading about kind of behind the scenes stuff. And originally they wanted to portray Pearl as gay and have kind of like a similar situation where it wasn't going to be like a actual you know, child, but a very ambiguously young kind of twink across this very, very, very fat vampire and to kind of accentuate how awful this character is. (sighs) Well, and I I should also put in here, I think part of what they're trying to achieve, it's not, I mean, let's, let's be generous and let's say, okay, they're not trying to communicate pedophilia as you know, the ultimate extension of gay. Like, of course, of course, he's a pedophile. He's gay. Even if we say, okay, that's not the intent. I think what a lot of this, this trope runs on is the viewers intuited disgust for a mismatched couple. So, you know, what, what would, if you have this really fat, gross character, who's, who's bedridden, the, the most outrageous pairing would be a, a nubile athletic uh, uh, boy who is at the flower of sexuality. That would be the most offensive juxtaposition for that. Just mm-hmm. as you see, it, it's what the reality show. Um, the what was the one with the 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 fat women and this? And the, oh, right. That we talked about at the yeah, beginning of the. That is. Hot, was it hot and heavy? Hot and, ha- hot hot and heavy. heavy. Yeah. The, the outrage comes from the fact that they shouldn't even be together. The out. There's a lot of outrage that comes from that. Right. So, are there any? positive depictions of an actual fleshed out fat character in science fiction. I mean, I think we started talking about movies and shows and it just seemed like such a thin, <laughs> a thin landscape. If that we I think open it up, if we books. open it up to fantasy, yes. I, I actually have a series that I, it would be a little controversial for me to say that I think it has good depictions of fat people, but I think it has good depictions of fat people. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's game of Thrones. Really? Um, okay. the immediate reaction is that all, like, I think most people, when they start thinking about game of Thrones, they think in terms of, uh, gay sex, <laughs> <laughs> um, ineffectual fat characters. That's sort of the first, mm. uh, thought because like I, one of the pr- primary protagonists is Samuel Tarley, right? Um, Who his defining characteristic is that he's fat and the other is that he is a coward, Right. So he has a strong, extremely strong negative characteristic right off that right off the bat. But but his arc through the series is not to become thin. It is to be- become 
uh, uh, to find his courage and to find how he can fight, how he can contribute to this struggle. And he doesn't lose weight in that process. He does not at any point lose weight. He finds um, a love interest. He becomes an adoptive father and like he grows leaps and bounds. Um, and so immediately that's, that's sort of the one that one arc. There's another character you see in the first season called pork pie. Who's mm-hmm. this fat bully character that over the course of the series becomes humanized and then drops away. He's a minor character, but when you find him again, he is still fat, but he's also now happy where he works in, that's he has nice. a career um, he's sort of he's inventing his own uh, baking creations, which I sympathize with. <laughs> uh, and there are plenty of examples of that. Even Fat Walda, who's sort of a throwaway character in the series, in the uh, the TV series. Um, she only shows up in the series because uh, her husband is told that as a reward, uh, he can have any one of this guy's daughters and he will and the the father will match the weight of the daughter in silver. <laughs> and so the guy picks the fattest daughter he can find, um, who's then sort of portrayed as being a little ineffectual, but the only kind person uh, in the entire <laughs> setting where he exists. Right. And in the book series, to top it all off, there is a character that didn't make it into the show called uh, Manderley, Wyman Manderley, who is a northern bannerman who, when everything falls apart and everyone else sort of caves under the weight of all these attacks going up north. He's the only one that's smart enough uh, and uses people's preconceptions of him being a fat person and therefore dumb and slow and weak to his advantage um, and manages to sort of maintain a lot of the power of the the people of the north through these sort of schemes and and so he becomes he is an actual hero. Yeah, I, I, there's something you know? really satisfying about a character being able to use other people's prejudices against them. I love that. Yes. I'm so on board with that. And the fact that, uh, that all of these characters and so all of these characters are fat. All of these characters have an arc. All these characters are flawed and all of them have been produced by a fat author. Like, I think that's necessary to point out that it took a fat author to actually produce fat characters with humanity to them. So I'm I'm sorry I'm just blathering like crazy. Like, do you guys have any memories of fat characters in sci-fi that were iconic? I mean, um, I mean, you say from, fat characters in sci-fi, and like Jabba the Hutt's the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, I, I think yeah. Trevor had yeah. more success in maybe some YA stuff, or am I wrong? Uh, I mean, sort of. I wanted to kind of going back to the the track, mm. um, in like new new track, um, Captain Tilly. Oh yeah, from Discovery is so. I immediately fell in love with her. The mm-hmm. I. I've mentioned the actress, um, I think, on the, our Instagram account for when I was doing the Amuse uh, Mondays. But such an amazing character, and there, I, I would say, I like her. She's uncertain of herself, but she's clearly so talented mm-hmm. and has so much to offer. And it's, I don't even think it's that people doubt her. I think that there's so she has so much hesitation in herself. And then um, I was going to say, sorry? at some point, you should point out that she's she's much larger than we would think of as the standard issue crew member on a Star Trek series. She's much bigger yes. than that. Yeah, she's she's bigger than a Star Trek crew member, but she's very normal. She's very yeah, yeah. Like, no one's every, every she's person she's, today. She's, she's Hollywood. Yeah. She's Hollywood. She's Midwest yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> and we get to see uh I mean this is kind of spoiler, but I don't know. The show's been out for a couple of years now, so it's spoilers, but whatever. Um 
we get to see the mirror oh yeah universe tilly who is the most sinister powerful sadistic um sadistic <laughs> uh s- sexual mm-hmm. uh person in that universe and of course same actor in the same yes. body yes which is really fun to see and it's just so interesting seeing the differences in them but also that the you know like the dark sided of if she reached her full potential she would be this force that could take over the the, the galaxy park. yeah exactly um no so i i was looking into um some kind of a fat lit stuff because you know i was like okay well there's job of the hut uh, <laughs> there's um pearl pearl um but i found um kind of some discussions about this uh fat fat positive representation in sci-fi and there is um a story in um an anthology called dark matter uh and the the story is maggie's written by uh sheree renee thomas and there's a character who is a genetically engineered underwater terraformer who is engineered to have extra fat to be able to kind of sustain themselves in these ultra cold waters Hmm. um and the main character has a crush on this you know fat terraformer yeah fat terraformer <laughs> um and then i was curious because i almost feel like once again this is more fantasy and i was curious if anyone had heard of the the forest mage trilogy uh by robin hobb this sounds really interesting when you told me about it i haven't heard of this no okay yeah um it sounded pretty cool so the the hero in the this forest mage trilogy is infected with magic and the magic is stored in his body as fat so his He's kind of recovering. I, th- I believe it's from a uh, plague and he starts just rapidly gaining weight despite not eating or d- it doesn't make sense that this is happening to him and he's kind of being shunned by everyone as a result. And then he ends up in a culture where his fat is honored because it's a sign that, you know, he has been gifted with this magic, which I think is a really cool concept. Yeah, definitely. And and I also like that it's, it's, you know, when we talk about body positivity, what we usually mean is not hating your body, like coming mm-hmm. up to some sort of neutrality that isn't self-discussed. Yeah. And I just love that this is literally positivity that, no, 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 this is a good thing. Like, look how mm-hmm. fat he is. He's a, that's a good thing because that means magical power. Yeah. So, Michael, I mean, you've always been a sci-fi fan. Like, you like f- f- speculative fiction. Has any of these characters ever stood out to you growing up or iconically or... um. No, not really. I mean, the I think part of the reason why I think as with most chasers, it took a long time to kind of develop fully is because I didn't see I didn't see these things in the the media that I was consuming. So like, yeah, you talk about um, Star Wars and Jabba the Hutt is usually most people's like first, like really obvious uh, depiction of like a fat evil character. I, I remember a lot of people talking about how they kind of, you know, it's like that love hate thing. Like you love to hate him. Like you love job of the hut. Cause he's such a fat slob. And I just never, ever felt that way about it. I never understood. It just felt extremely offensive to me, even as a little kid. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, have any memories really of, yeah. of seeing fat characters represented in a way that I appreciate The closest I ever got is the classic, I feel like a lot of uh, chasers my age have this uh, seeing Luke in at the beginning of episode five uh, in the back to tank where mm. the curvature of the tank is distorting his like 
like he's he's in sort of like a small like swimsuit kind of like device where you can see his legs and his body um and it distorts him to look fatter than mark hamill actually is um that's about as close as i ever got to ha- to seeing a fat hero um <laughs> and i i should say that growing up as a chaser for me all the media representations were just a constant reminder that, oh, by the way, what you like is disgusting. That thing that you like, that's disgusting. I can't believe you right. like something that disgusting. Over and over and over again, you see that or, in the representations of and, and you know, a joke characters too. that we would maybe go for, except, oh, right, I forgot he's evil and terrible. I mean, the other one for me was like, I, you know, Star Wars again was a very influential series for me, as with like so many other people, but uh, fuck, I don't even remember his name, but the, the Gungan... Uh, sort of leader Porkins. <laughs> <laughs> well, Porkins, I suppose, but he all he does is die on screen. Um, no, the Gungan leader from Phantom Menace, uh, oh. whose whole purpose is to be sort of like, oh yeah, I don't know, like blustering blowhard who shakes his jowls at people. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's his whole. I suppose you could almost say he's an effectual leader, uh, almost. But he also puts Jar Jar in charge of a battalion, so. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting, though, that there is one fat character that, uh, if you'll forgive forgive the expression, gets overshadowed by Jabba in Star Wars. <laughs> yes. Um, and I just put a link in our chat. Uh, this is Yarna Dal Gargan. I did not know her name until I looked this up. But oh, she's a fat dancing girl. Yeah, this is who I referenced earlier. Oh. Yeah. The six-breasted character um, from Star Wars. And it's interesting because, like, she is a, she is a legit character and the fact that she is a dancing girl in this thing is setting her up to be like this is someone that in this context at least is admired mm-hmm. right for her beauty and i just thought it was interesting i just looked up the character and she has an entire arc beyond that in their uh, i guess the old mythology i don't know if it still exists now that in Disney's the extended universe but she goes like, on she has a little adventure where like she saves a bunch of her own kids and it's mentioned here that she she is a dancer. She dances at uh, Han Solo and Leia Organa's wedding uh, as part of the perform as part of the yeah. There, so. I, let's let's be clear here, though. That is not how she's represented in the movies. Like in the movies, she's dancing, yes, but she's in like this den of iniquity where Jabba the Hutt is in charge as this like evil slime monster. So I don't know that. Like, I don't know that any part of that is representing her positively. Like the extended universe w- was what saved that character in, in literature. Mm-hmm. In, in the movies, like she's barely on screen for a few seconds. Well, I, I don't think her appearing in that nightclub impugns her character. I don't, I think that's no different than a, a lounge. That's no different than, than a lounge singer like Joan or, or a comic like Joan Rivers appearing in a nightclub in Las Vegas that's run by the mafia. Any more observations about fat characters in sci-fi? We need more of uh, them. We need more of them. Yeah, more we need more. We need some positive ones. Let, let's get a little more Tilly out there, please. Speaking of looking for fat representation in sci-fi stuff. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yes. Tell smoothless us Smoothless transition by me. Mm-hmm. A little high five for myself. Um, my tip of the week is uh, raising people's awareness of a graphic novel series by a friend of the podcast. Uh, Philip Bergen and the uh, series is Fat is in 24602. The first part of the graphic novel came out last year and the new the part two is coming out on September 21st. A little info on this. Um, Fat is in the graphic novel part one explores an intolerant world that takes an extremist idea and lets it play out for all to see. 
60 years in the future, the diet industry becomes the most powerful branch of the federal government. The rights of the obese are slowly diminished and the rebellion begins. But could you maintain a low body mass index if it was law? What if your life depended on it? Once again, this is by Philip Berrigan, friend of the podcast, his husband, Mason Arrigo, and uh, colored by Chris Link, also friend of the podcast. I remember when Phil was first writing this, um, so it is a joy to kind of see the the journey it's gone on. Uh, there's also a novel form of the book, which once again, I remember reading kind of an advanced copy of it. It is very near and dear to me. Uh, the main character, Delilah Palladino, is a force to be reckoned with. It has um, some Handmaid's Tale vibes, some Judge Dredd vibes. Uh, you can get more information on www.fatizen.com or just uh, search Fatizen on Amazon and you should find all of these lovely things there. Nice. Brilliant. Well, thank you for spending more time with the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Uh, I, I'm. Do we do we have a do we have a bit or not a bit? We do not have a bit. I no bits. I overslept. <laughs> very well. Very well. Um, <laughs> That's on me. My no, bad. No bits this week. Just <laughs> just the just the kibbles. <laughs> Reminds me of once once upon a time one of my uh, long in elite New York. I, I had a boyfriend, big chubby boyfriend, who wanted Charlotte Russe, and so we walked into this bakery, and he says, um, "I don't know if you'd have this, but do you have Charlotte Russe?" And the woman from Eastern Europe looks right, looks left, looks looks at her counter and says, no, no shabarros. Okay. No, <laughs> no bit like for soup. you. It's like the soup Nazi with Charlotte. Yeah. Roots. Just no. <laughs> no, no. Denial. What is Get Charlotte out. Russe? Uh, it's a confection of mystery and delight. You should Google it if you're interested. <laughs> Trevor, how fast can you say the, uh, the social media stuff for a, a, a serving of Charlotte Russe? Okay. Well, so music, you know, the music's going. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as at Big Fig. And I just already boxed that. No, no Charlotte Roos for me. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. You can see uh, all the lovely resources we talked about today at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Leave us a five star review on Facebook and Apple Podcasts. Stitcher 2, maybe. I never can remember. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, give us a follow. Give us five stars. Give us Charlotte Roos. Um, in that order. Maybe you're listening on your console of the spaceship you're in <laughs> in the future, wondering about how the world could be uh, still in pandemic at this point and not have any fat positive no sci-fi representation no and you just passed uh, a big purple planet um and then you look forward and there's a uh, an asteroid hurtling toward you so look out <laughs> i was not gonna miss oh. that one <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> he did it this time folks <laughs>